Unbecoming to Become, a deep dive with Laura Enzor, a midlife revival of rejuvenation and reinvention. Join us today as we sit down with the CEO of her own life, Laura Enzor. As a glow enthusiast, self-care hype girl, director of dreams, and your midlife courage coach, Laura is no stranger to the journey of self-discovery and empowerment. In this intimate interview, she opens up about the childhood trauma that once hindered her potential, but ultimately fueled her rise. Laura's unique approach to life coaching is grounded in the concept of unbecoming, shedding the influence of parents, society, culture, and friends to reveal the magnificent humans we were born to be. She believes that we all wear armor that must be shed to grow and evolve. Get ready for an emotional and enlightening conversation packed with actionable advice on how you can start your process of unbecoming and embrace your reinvention. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from an empowered living expert who has made it her mission to guide others through their midlife transformations. Tune in, unmask, and begin your journey towards unbecoming and becoming the best version of yourself. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let me share with you more about our guest we have here today. Laura Enzor, a certified reinvention coach, leverages her experience as a former fitness expert, performance artist, and Lyme disease survivor to support midlife women in personal development. Despite a successful career in modern dance and fitness, Laura realized she was neglecting her dreams while striving for protection and pleasing others. After a Lyme disease diagnosis, she prioritized her needs and aspirations. Now, through her reinvention coaching, she assists women in overcoming fears and obstacles, encouraging them to live on their terms. Laura also developed Affirmotion, a unique session that combines mindset and confidence building with dance and movement. Currently residing in Arizona with her husband, rescue puppy Luna, and her daughter Haley, Laura continues to inspire and empower women to embrace their potential. I'm pleased to help welcome to the stage, Miss Laura Enzor. Hi, April. Thank you Hi, for Laura. that wonderful introduction. And I'm really excited to spend the morning with you. I am too, because you you have a fascinating story. I love that you have that, the, the motion piece. I love dance. You have a very strong history in that. But let's start out with sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Hmm. Well, where should I begin? Um, way back or um, because there's a lot and I, I, I put everything that I've been through in my life into my coaching practice. So, you know, I would say that my journey was... Um, one of always trying to figure myself out because from a very young age, I lost my father when I was four years old and I came from a family of five and I was the youngest, so much younger than the rest of my family. 
And when my father passed, um, it was kind of a mystery. My, my parents uh, or my mother just said, oh, um, you know, when I asked where dad was, well, we're going to, he went to his funeral and we're going to see him later. Not knowing what a funeral was, I was satisfied with that answer. And I find myself at my father's funeral and I'm being walked up to the casket. My uncle is carrying me and I see my dad laying there, arms crossed, rosary in hand, eyes closed. And I say out loud, dad, wake up. Everyone's here to see you, silly and then I felt the room behind me gasp. <gasps> she doesn't know. And it was in that moment of my life where my voice was gone. It was stolen from me. I became very introverted. Um, if I look back at my life, I probably was the shyest kid in elementary school. Um, painfully shy. And, you know... From feeling that abandonment from my father, my mother, who, you know, God bless her, she was grieving too, right? But as a young child, I didn't understand that. But she immediately went into the hospital because she had heart disease. And I was left alone with a cold caregiver. Mm. In those early years, I was kind of alone right? I was left alone when the caregiver wasn't there. I had to get myself to school. I was going to kindergarten. I, I refused to talk when I was at kindergarten. Um, later when my mom had to go to work, I was, I refused to go to the daycare that I had to go after kindergarten. And I would just sit there all day waiting for her until five o'clock. And, and, and really that was it. That was my every day. And to speed that part up for a year. Well, let's just stay on that for a minute, Laura, because you just gave this like really impactful, powerful experience as a very, very young child. And, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. And it, that's a, that's a very vulnerable time period for you. And like you said, at four years old, you know, I didn't know. And my voice was just automatically shut off. So that really had this major impact for the rest of your life. And it, it's so interesting because when we as adults show up the way that we do, and we don't know that we're showing up the way that we do because of past experiences. And oftentimes more than not, and many of the people who listen to this show are, are well aware of it. It stems from a very, very young age for five, six, seven years of age there where there was some sort of event that took place in our lives that really had a huge impact on how we showed up for the rest of our time. Now, you came to an understanding of that that had a huge impact of how you were showing up later on. Yes, it did not happen in the moment. You know, as children, you know, I had probably a year of every single night having the same nightmare. Mm. So there was a lot of fear there. Um, the dream ended up in the same way, you know, a monster chasing me and I finally get home and I shut the door and I'm like, oh, I'm safe. And then I realized, but no one's home because no one was ever home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was walking around the neighborhood at age four by myself. And, you know, after my mother remarried a year later, I was thrown into a blended family of 13. So we had five and then we took eight and we made a family of 13. My goodness. And, yeah. So my quiet existence of, you know, my other siblings when I was younger were in school, right? So I was on my own and I was really elated to have two younger sisters, right? The rest of the kids were a lot older. So there was like a relief and more of my playful, creative self came out. But I had really started to develop my creative side because when you're left alone a lot, you're in your head, right? You know, and I really... 
I felt comfortable and safe living in my creative world. And, but just like kids, I forgot about that story. My mother never talked about my father again. I think she thought that I was going to, you know, see this new stepfather as my father. And so there was some kind of feeling I felt like I shouldn't ask about him. She mm. never talked about him. So I just went on. And, you know, kids are so resilient that way, right? We don't yeah. think another thing. And for the longest time, even though the story of walking into my dad's funeral is seared in my brain, I'm happy to say that after some of the, the work that I've done, instead of the story being here and me crying every time I tell it, the story, I can remember it still, but it's over there in the distance, right? It's not, it's not like tearing me apart and weighing heavy on me, right? Mm. And I, I didn't realize that it, it was always there, right? There was always this imprint of, you know, that I was abandoned. Maybe, you know, no one was around for me. Mm. It's not about what I want. And I became kind of like that, that kid who was very well liked and did, you know, everything to please everybody, right? Because I thought that was what I was supposed to do, right? Because yeah. no one really kind of caring about what I thought. And if you can imagine with 13 kids, how could my parents really <laughs> care about every single child in that way? Yeah, you had you had many, many people to contest with. And so, you know, it, it's interesting, because I know I do know a little bit of your background, and you went into dance. And it, it was something where as you're performing physically, but you're not utilizing your voice. And so it's really pushing out talents into the world, but also really keeping this internal uh, quietness about yourself. Mm, yes, it was a way that I could communicate non-verbally. And, you know, I didn't, I just started dancing in junior high. I mean, in junior year in high school, I mean, not junior high. So even later than most people. And I found that I had a knack for choreography, like seeing things that other people didn't see. And I created a um, senior uh, dance performance piece. And my instructors in school, like I, I got to have dance instead of gym at school in my high school. It was really unique at that time in the eighties. Um, they were like, um, I think we want to enter this in the state competition. And I had no idea. Like, I don't know. Like I really didn't even know what I did. Right. I just, it just like all these ideas came. I, I choreographed this piece to percussion music. They thought, oh my gosh, you're so advanced. And I'm laughing because I just, I think, I, I don't know. I just put it together. So they encouraged me to, when it came time for college, they said, you really have to do this. You, you really have a knack. You know, I don't think my parents really understood, you know, I think back in those days, it was more like, oh, the girls will get married. You know, that what mm -hmm. They need a degree for. And so when I chose a, a dance degree, it was it was confusing, you know, to, mm -hmm. especially to my father. Kind of like, what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. And but I truly didn't know what else I was good at. So it really was the best segue for me to to leave my home mm -hmm. and like go into this this just totally immersed experience. And it would prove, though, to trigger a lot of my hmm, limiting beliefs, let's say. Well, I'm um, curious about that experience that you had as a, as a junior in high school. Did Was that one of the first times that you really experienced somebody seeing you in, in you know, a different way or a way at all? Did you feel seen and heard and valued at that time? I certainly did. Now, as a child, I was always um, with my sisters, you know, creating plays and skits and we were performing. So there was this little, I had this little, uh, when I was home, I, 
I was like the comedic relief in my house. Right. And, you know, I knew, and my parents enjoyed that, but it wasn't like, it was just something fun. Right. It was just that something funny about me that I was funny person. But when I saw that I had other talents, you know, I, I wasn't really quite sure how to receive it, you know, but I, I kept with it. And, um, I remember taking a summer dance program and because I grew up on the um, North shore of Chicago and there's this famous jazz dance studio there. And I spent a summer taking classes and it was like the classic New York studio with the big high windows and the, you know, the rickety wood floors and you had to walk up the tall stairs and I was like, I just felt like, oh my God, this is, this is it. It's the real deal. I know. So in one summer I went from, they only have beginner one, beginner two, beginner three in jazz dance before there's company level. I went from one to three within a summer session. So I was feeling really good about myself. They were, you know, everyone's like, wow, you know, putting me as the example, you know, to do the across the floor to show the others. And I started feeling like, God, maybe I have something here. And, you know, after one summer, that was all I could experience. Because if you can imagine who's paying for every child's, you know, fun event, 13 of us. So we all, you know, I was lucky that I got that one summer of doing that study. So, you know, all that I could do with dance was at high school, you know, at, for my gym class until I went to college. And I auditioned for at two um, colleges. I got a full ride scholarship at one, but I had such a horrible experience Um traveling to that school by myself and mm. my father decided to give me um to to make a lesson out of this and gave me a hundred dollars and said find your way home wow oh my gosh the stress that i had i don't even remember that audition i don't even remember because the stress was like too much for me and your worst nightmare happens. And fortunately, I was lucky that it wasn't a nightmare. But I'm sitting there after I buy the plane ticket, I realize I don't have any money to get to the airport. Mm. So I'm sitting on a bench crying. And this man who is a military man, um, he was picking up an old lady where I was. And he asked me what was going on. And he said he could take me to the airport. Now, I was very lucky because he did exactly that. And that's how I got home. But if you can imagine, it's like, you're, you know, as a parent, you're, you know, don't get, take rides from strangers, right? It was not a wise thing to do. So that whole experience scarred me, but I did, um, I went to the University of Michigan and they loved my audition. I did not get a scholarship there, but it was number two in the country. So I'm like, you know, Madonna went to that school. I'm going to that school. You know, I had her. That's impressive. Yeah. You know, I yeah. thought this, I'm going to, I'm ready to challenge myself. And I was challenged because not only physically, but mentally, because I walked in my freshman year and there were eight of us in my class. And these dancers have been dancing since they were four. Okay. Like they, yeah. they were seasoned. There was a ballerina. There was a woman who was, or a girl, I should say at the time we were young, um, was in the movie fame. I mean, I'm looking at her like, what am I doing here? So I think for the four years I was there, I always felt like I had to work harder. Mm. It was just a mental thing. It like, I'm thinking I could never give myself credit for like, how did I make it into this school? How did I dance in the company for four years? Right, you know, like these things were happening, but I was not ever satisfied or gave myself congratulations for all I was doing. So it it was, you know, dance was kind of a little torture 
for me at times, like internally. I enjoyed the expression. I became very skilled at choreography. And that kind of was my gift, right? I hadn't had all that training since I was four. So I was not, you know, as virtuosic. Um, but I had a lot of other gifts, right? I, you know, I, my dance teacher um, recommended me to a school in New York City. And that's what we trained all four years for, right? To be dance performers. And that opportunity fell through my fingers because my parents wouldn't support me financially or emotionally. And I couldn't figure out how to do it myself. And, and I just, you know, I just collapsed into, well, it's not about what I want. It's about what other people want and need. Hmm. The constant belief that ran through my head all the time. And it, it really robbed me of a lot of, um, of my highest aspirations. So, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here, you know, as a coach wanting to, like, I feel that passion in me for not letting other women walk away from any more dreams, because I could guarantee a lot of us have lost some dreams, you know, through the years, right? When you are raising a family, maybe juggling career as well, you're kind of running the show, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, my higher aspirations got put on the shelf, right? And they were just collecting dust up there. Like I morphed my um, dance career into a fitness career. For 28 years, I was a fitness pro and I loved it. Found my voice was loud, inspirational. And I felt like I finally found my groove, right? It was like, whew. After all that crunchy time growing up and trying to figure out who I was, I found myself. Hmm. And it was just, it was so, um, I probably took it to the nth degree though, <laughs> to say, like, I loved it so much that some people almost thought you're addicted to exercise, you know, or whatever. And I thought, hmm. well, you know, I get paid to show up every day and I would really, um, it's easy, easy to go there to to become addicted to something that either you're passionate about or that just really keeps. Why how could it not be addicting if you feel good doing it and you get to inspire others in that process? Yeah, and yeah. I I know Laura that you you had a great amazing stretch of that and that where you finally did find that voice after experiencing so much childhood drama, so to speak. And mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible how we, we allow that one experience to really influence us. But the thing is, and, and as you know, and that's really what you stepped into being coming a coach with is you have to do the work. You, you can't possibly understand that that's where the damage was done when you were so young. Our young minds do not process things like we do as an adult. And so we take things in this massive perspective of I, I have been harmed or I have, you know, I, I, I'm losing my voice and I no longer can speak because of it's an extreme viewpoint of something that we would not view as an extreme viewpoint as an adult. So we're going to move into our first commercial. And when we come back, Laura, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about why you stepped into coaching and how that truly has transformed the way that you show up today. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Jim Morris, founder of Impact Events. This is a six-month program that we're kicking off with a massive one-day conference. Have you ever been to a one-day, two-day, three-day conference and then left with a ton of momentum and excitement and then found yourself deflated almost two weeks later? Spent a lot of money on that conference and you just wish you had an opportunity to potentially ask a speaker that follow-up question that would allow you to break those barriers in your business. I've been there a million times, spent a lot of money, and that's how this event is different. We're gonna bring you back 
so you can ask additional questions to break down those barriers that you face in your business. So if you're ready to take action, invest in yourself, and change the trajectory of your life and your business, click the button below and grab your ticket before they run out. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, you have this really cool term. You have a few of them that I absolutely love, Laura. And unbecoming is one of those. You talk about how we all have this armor based on the influences we've uh, received from childhood, parents, family, all of it, right? That that we are really shaped in this way. And, and then we continue to put on armor based on some of those experiences with those relationships. So when you have started putting in the work, I would love to know, first off, when was the, the major impact moment that you had an experience to start shifting you to where you knew that you needed to do something and, and take a different approach? Well, you know, most of my... 30s and 40s, I was, you know, I was doing what I call light personal development, right? I was reading books, I was listening to things, um, probably was, I did not know how to put things into action, right? How to like integrate it all into my life. But, you know, I was learning little things here, like, you know, better communication skills with my husband. And, you know, when a need comes up and, and you kind of just do a little spot, um, treatment, so to speak. Um, but I also was moving around a lot between my age of 35 to 50. Um, we, I probably moved 11 times within 18 years for my wow. husband's job. Yeah. That's quite a bit. I mean, that's, I just gotta hang on that for a minute because 11 times in that stretch is substantial. Uh, we recently had a move and I, I can only imagine, I mean, I suppose you get more familiar with it. Never, never. Okay. Well, there you go. I, because I tell you what, Laura, just in the one little move that we had, we're still trying to get used to it. <laughs> like it takes a long time to acclimate because every place that we go has a different sort of culture. It has a different mindset. It has different weather. It has different insects. It has like all of these different things that you have to readjust yourself to, you know, even, and, and it can, and it can put a person on this totally, um, unsure, you have a little bit more anxiety, you know, when you have to establish new medical care, you have to find all the things, know exactly where your store is, get back into that routine where you know your environment and your surroundings. And so I like liken it to oftentimes there's a sense of identity crisis that comes along with that. So when I hear you, Laura, say that you moved 11 times in that time stretch, that is that is impressive. And I can only imagine that during each one, there's a part of you that's stretching and is kind of like, oh my gosh, either I need to, to, to grow from these experiences or I'm going to blow up. Right. <laughs> like it, it would be difficult. Right. And it, I, I think that my childhood experience of being resilient really served me but the, but the thing was, you know, I was used to being superwoman at the gym and I was super mom and superwoman at, you know, during these moves. And my husband's job took us to places like Singapore, Shanghai, China, Luxembourg, Europe. So they weren't little moves. They wow. were language barriers. There was um, culture, like you're saying, and um, finding all those things and you know, it's almost like a high cortisol life, right? Because like 
you know, you land and then, you know, okay, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. So, you know, I was kind of used to living like that. Um, I, you know, I would start getting sinus infections and humid and climates. And, you know, then I'd be dealing with that and making sure my daughter was in school and happy and, you know, doing well. And on some of the moves, like funny enough, I actually taught kickboxing in China, <laughs> go figure. But a lot of um, places I couldn't work, right? Because I didn't have the work visa. So, mm. you know, I that I had to kind of go, okay, you know, I'll put that aside. And it's it was always the, you know, I made the choice to support my husband. I made the choice to provide for my daughter a cool experience. You know, yeah. she learned like three languages. And I mean, I don't know that she can speak them all now, but she was then. Um, because she's 29 now. Um, but it was, it was a lot, but there was always, it was fun and exciting at the same time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I was putting my dreams on hold. I wouldn't have done anything different. And I, I feel like that's how a lot of women end up in midlife. Like they've been through supporting everyone, their husbands, their children, and everybody else is getting their needs met and their dreams and goals are moving forward and, you know, driving them to, dance practice and, you know, all those things. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're left with feeling like, gosh, I, I feel kind of frustrated with my life. I kind of feel disconnected. I'm not, I don't know who I am or what I want, right? Because you've been uh, so many other people. Yeah. And, you know, as a mom, I, I wouldn't have done it any different, right? I mean, I don't think my husband, we would have the life we have now if we didn't do those sacrifices of, you know, many people did not want to move, do that overseas moving from his company. And so, you know, we did take, and I would tell you, it was fabulous. I saw a lot of the world. So wow, you're a, you're a very cultured woman. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, what was kind of tricky about that though, was inside there still was that kind of, you know, I was still anxious to get on with what I wanted, right? I had dreams of opening my own little, you know, fitness boutique, right? And I had all these ideas. I was going to put creative dance for children with it. I had so many things. And, you know, I would dream of the name and I'd be, you know, doodling on paper about the logo, all those things. But they were just that. They were just dreams. Like there was no time for me to do that or time or place. Well, so, it doesn't sound like you were in a, a stable location for long enough to be able to mm-hmm. put something like a, such as a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Mm. And when you're doing all of that, and believe me, my family was like, oh, my gosh, Laura's the world traveler, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was a little bit of me that even though I felt like, God, you know, I really want to do this. I felt guilty for even thinking it, let alone mm-hmm. I would never say it because I was just waiting for the eye rolls like, well, you know, who are you to complain about anything? And, you know, it's so interesting that that we feel that way about our family, right? On what our family is going to think of us you know, the societal standards on how they're going to view us, especially as, as parents, mothers, wives, you know, our role and what that is viewed as and, and what we may dream and aspire to do really oftentimes do not come together. They're, they kind of headbutt, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And so it's very, very often, like you described, women especially, um, that's most of the topic that we're on right now, but I men too, of course, but when you come to like this midlife crisis sort of moment of, I feel like I've been living in this dream and serving in this way, and yet this is a different part of me that I don't even know the possibilities that exist, but I feel a little lost and confused and like I've missed out on things. And 
And because it's been so long doing these other things, I don't even know if it's possible to get to there. You get into this state yeah. of, I, I feel too old, to this, to that. We all do that. What is family going to think? What is society going to think if I switch gears? But, you know, it's kind of a beautiful thing when it does open us up to when life does sort of slow down the 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 kids leave the nest you know and then you are open to more potential and possibility mm -hmm. so when that came for you when that moment and that time came for you what was that like well it was interesting because right before we moved to this um to arizona which was another move for my husband um i had just landed my dream fitness career job after a few years of not feeling well and not knowing why and getting pushed around by doctors saying, what do you mean? You look healthy. You know, um, mm. I found a, a doctor who gave me thyroid medication. Oh my gosh, such a big, you know, helped me so much. I got right back into like my premium shape. I met this, um, people that were, you know, owned a cycle studio, I loved them. They were funny. They had, we had the same sense of humor. And then I end up like training to learn spinning. Cause I, that was a new discipline for me. Um, and get the job trained all summer and then find out we're moving. So I never get to realize that job. Mm. And I think that I carried a little resentment inside and it wasn't that my oh, husband yeah. was being mean or not thinking of my dreams or whatever. I mean, I have a choice and a voice, right? Yeah. But it was easy for me to say, well, okay, I guess you make the big bucks. I'm going to go where you, you know, I'll support that. You know, you're looking out for us. So, you know, you rationalize things, you make it all right. You make your choices um, all right for you. And what happened to me was that little bit of resentment and what ensued the first year that we moved here erupted in a diagnosis of Lyme disease. And wow. it was anxiety up to the roof where my family is like, chill out. What's going on with you? I mean, where the littlest thing would throw me and I'm, I didn't even know who I was. Right. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening. Angry. And yeah. And um, one doctor took me completely off of thyroid because he thought, oh, you, you know, you have too much thyroid. Wow. Oh, that was a disaster. And so I finally found a naturopath and we started, I got the diagnosis, you know, there. But how I found coaching was, you can imagine how my mindset was. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was lying around the house. My joints were swollen, too stiff, couldn't even get out and walk most days. Um, I had to give up my membership at the gym or slug in there and feel like I couldn't do half of the things I used to do. Right. Wow. Well, I, I, I just want to, again, sit a little bit on that because you went from somebody who was extremely most of your life now energetic, um, very fit, very in that world. And you, you showed up as that, even as an extremist, you sort of mentioned where it was yeah. just your life to, to laying on the couch, being depressed and not going and really going down this massive spiral. And Laura, I want to bring that up because I, I think that when we come to a point in our lives where our, our bodies, minds, hearts, souls, whatever are just like, that is enough. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it forces us to slow down and to start rethinking. And oftentimes that shows up in disease. And it also is so tied deeply into emotion. And when you talk about that experience of yourself as a young child at four, when your father passed away, mm -hmm. it was almost like you're so young, you you barely have the time with him to get to know him to experience him in your life. And then he disappears and he's gone. And so I'm likening that and relating that with the moves, you you barely get a moment to start 
grounding yourself to rooting yourself mm -hmm. to experiencing enough connections to where you can maybe partake and, and show up in the world a certain way. And then it's gone. Mm -hmm. And so now your body's like shutting down. That's enough. It's speaking loud and clear. Like loud and clear. it probably was, it was telling me those 10 years prior, but I was ignoring it and pushing through because doctors were telling me I was cuckoo. Right. And my yeah. husband almost thought I was a little bit of a hypochondriac at one point um, because, you know, it started to affect me emotionally and I never was that, that person, but, you know, to your point of all the moves, you know, it was like, I became a master of reinvention, right? Reinventing myself all the time. Yeah. Not until I found life coaching when I, you know, after my diagnosis, did I really understand how deep a reinvention could go? Like, I think I like reinvented and was resilient and could push on. I could soldier on. But that was no longer satisfying for me. Like I, I had had it. Like I was sitting there having pity parties every day, asking myself, why me? I'm the healthiest person I know who's sick. This isn't fair, you know, and really kind of mm -hmm. angry, um, resentful. Like I held it against my uh, husband for a while, but, you know, obviously that was just a pointing fingers game. You know, he did nothing. Um, and you know, I knew that I needed to make to change my mindset because the same mindset that I had to, up to this point, I realized is not the same mindset that is going to help get me out of this and live and, and see a brighter future because I couldn't see what I was, what was ahead of me. I was, um, I was thinking that I was just going to be laying on the couch, lining up my tinctures, my pills and um, telling everybody about, oh, yeah, the life I used to have and, you know, being that boring person that doesn't have anything to offer because I'm not doing anything. Uh. And it's such a complete flip and meeting people um, during that time in my life was difficult because I didn't feel like myself. I, I want to stay on that because that is so, so very powerful. The things that you're saying where you, you described that you're laying there thinking about the past and what you used to be and now showing up as this person who is very lifeless. You're not living at all. Mm -hmm. And how there's, yeah, we, we, we come to those times in life and, and it is very, very sad where, you know, you know, deep down that there is potential, that there is life, that, that we've done these things in the past. If we go back and remember all of the incredible things that we have already accomplished and yet we're at this place of lifelessness and, and not really using any potential at all. I also wanted to go back to and, and highlight this a little bit too, Laura, because when we talk about pushing the blame onto others, that is also a highly common human response to why our life is the way that it is. It's very, very common for people to go into deep resentment, unfortunately, and and blame others for our circumstances. And while as they may have a very large part and it's easy to do so, we're shifting gears a little bit and talking about how do we shift the mindset to take on the responsibility for ourselves, no matter what the given circumstances are. Yeah. And that is the unbecoming, right? You know, that's where the unbecoming part comes in. And it's, you know, when I work with a client, it's peeling back those layers. Mm -hmm. And we know that we have like automatic responses, you know, like the blame, excuses, um, you know, all of rationalizations, justifications, all of those things keep us from really, truly expanding ourselves and 
full enjoyment, right? Because when we throw those out, we're preventing ourselves from really um, truly living to our fullest. So that's what I do with clients. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's unbecoming all the things. And, and we talked about earlier that you thought you were to step into the truly beautiful, magnificent person you really are. And when that transformation, and while it's not overnight, you know, like I'm still becoming, right? I'm still in the becoming. I'm always kind of becoming another level, which to me is so, um, is so cool, right? It's more, it's more attractive when you, when you call it that, when you look at it that way, because mm -hmm. it, it's, instead of saying, oh, I'm just resilient or I can get through this mm -hmm. or, you know, becoming something is a transformation. It's like mm -hmm. the, the butterfly emerging from the cocoon. It is be reinventing yourself, you know, as we've talked about yeah. very, very many times. And, and I just love those terms and that concept and re looking at it that way, because there is this air of creativity um, you want to step into the unknown to see what possibilities lie ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think that definitely when we, when we, when we stay there and we come to life and we wake up in the morning with this sense of, I wonder what's next. I wonder what else is possible and being very curious and stepping into that childhood curiosity and creativity. It, it truly does have a big transformation on us. Well, I can't even believe the difference in my life right now, like from where I was 10 years ago. And even through my first um, coach training, you know, I, I, you know, it's like layers. I only, you're only ready to receive what you're ready to receive when you're mm -hmm. doing transformation work. So, you know, there were some key elements that, you know, I had breakthroughs on. And then when I went through my second coach training, you know, there were more. I mean, I thought, wow, I mean, there's more. Never ending. <laughs> yeah. And um, and the the lighter you feel is what is the result, right? It's mm -hmm. like like shedding that heavy armor because I so don't need it anymore. What you're saying, Laura, is that this work is continuous, it's lifelong. And and I want to point that out because sometimes I think that a lot of people view, um, you know, whether it, it, it's a coaching process or, you know, they're, they're trying to go, dive deeper and to heal traumas of some sense in order to show up better in the world. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, okay, we, we worked on this and it's an end all. It's right. this continuous right. journey, like you're describing that. There's, there's always layers of the onion and, uh, fun fact, we keep on living where trauma does tend to come. However, I think that when we learn a lot of incredible tools where we can understand how trauma is birthed, we're able to put a stop in that right away. When we're aware of any given circumstances that happen that could lead to trauma, we have that understanding that it could, and we stop it and kind of nip it in the butt right then and there. Right. And that's, that's pretty much what reinvention is, right? So, so, you know, there's eight concepts, transformation concepts, there's three main pillars and a lot, and mostly we work into rewiring the unconscious mind, right? So it's, it's a really deep process. And I, it's, it, that's the only way you get really lasting change and all mm. the tools that you will learn are tools you can use, you know? So like, you're not just, you know, left with, okay, I'm done with this course. You know, you have built in awareness. You've had enough mm. time to like integrate the stuff. We have workbooks and, you know, supplemental books. It's really, it is really comprehensive. And I've gone through what I, you know, take other people through many times already. And I get different things every time. So, um, which is, you know, again, more of the layering, but what, 
and I also offer other coaching models as well, right? So like if people are really having a hard time with this self-worth and, you know, really standing in their power and they need a little deeper dive in that, I've got a coaching model for that. And then I have a boundary, you know, all on boundaries, how to create boundaries and, you know, the importance of using them in your life and not just blowing with the wind. You know, it's a way of having you, be able to get what you really want in life. So I am just, I'm, I'm, I feel like I never thought I was going to be a coach. And so this is how it, like how it's, how it's ending in my life, right? Not, not ending, but like how it's ended up. Um, that I never, even after my first training, I never thought I was going to be a coach. I got the certification because I was, you know, I went to the Institute and I took all the courses and they said, well, why don't you just take the, <laughs> the practicum? And I'm like, okay, you know, it'll be deeper transformation. Um, I thought in the back of my mind, I was going to do fitness again, but my body told me something different. Mm. And so, that's okay. And yeah. I think that it's really nice. And that's really, really key component, Laura, because we are not always going to do what we initially thought we were going to do forever and ever and ever. Right. And, and it's okay to show up in the world differently. And I think what, one of the beautiful things about that is as we begin to age and we're gaining wisdom, now we get to show up in the world because of all those experiences and the wisdom gained. We're showing up as a mentor, as a coach, but you step into this sage position in the world and you're giving back in a different way. And I think that that is a, a very natural and fitting approach to how we, we go through life and how we age and how we support one another as community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, I, I feel like I'm somebody who always likes to live in a purpose. And so it really does. It's, it's, it's an easy segue. Now that I'm, you know, built this business, I'm like, well, I was helping other people become the, their fittest selves. And now it's more like an inside job. You know, I'm, I'm having them tend to their, you know, in a heart centered way and, you know, prioritize themselves and really pay attention to what their body's telling them. And I mean, it's so many things. Um, and it's, it's personal development. Um, but really, you know, I take, I kind of feel like it's in between, um, there's a lot of different varieties of life coaching. And this one has a little kind of therapy, uh, inner child work in it. Right. So to speak. So we yeah. call it shadow work. And, um, what it did for me was it helped me make sense of my whole life. It helped me understand from that four-year-old girl why I did all the things that I did and all the choices I made through my life. And instead of you know, beating myself up for all of that, for all of the wrong choices or the dreams that I let slip through my fingers, you know, I'm able to sit here and look back at my life and, and go, wow, look what you did, you know, despite, you know, yeah. The, this this childhood trauma and you know all of that that it took to get you here and then you went through a second trauma of your life with you know Lyme disease and it is in remission right now so that is good news good yeah 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 and I I almost you know I feel like I feel like when we're healthier on the inside or healthier spiritually our body steps in line you know, yeah. it starts to take those cues because we're not yeah. feeding it negative thoughts. We're not yeah. doubting ourselves. We're not, you know, putting ourselves yeah. off. So it, it's, it, it has like um, a really substantial effect. It's like all the little parts together add up to a big shift. And, and I, every time I'm done with the eight week session, because that's how long reinvention is, everyone's like, there was more than I thought I would get out of it. Like, you know, they come in with one, yeah. like, I want to have a better relationship, you know, with my husband or I want, you know, I'm, I'm on my own and, you know, not after the divorce or, you know, maybe they had a health eruption too. And they're, they're feeling kind of, you know, down about that, whatever your, 
the impetus was, you know, that made you kind of feel like this isn't happening anymore. That's the problem we take and we work on it, you know, throughout the set, all the sessions. But then there's so many layers because, you know, the way it you- trickles on to so yeah. many other aspects in their life. Yeah. And like, you know, your confidence in yourself yeah. and how that feeds into that choice. And so it's, it's just really well laid out. And I think even for the person who's never had um, any personal growth work, it's perfect because it's very easy to find. But even somebody who's been through other courses, they will get another layer. So like I said, I meet, I meet my clients wherever they're at, right? If they're new or if they've had some. Well, I could definitely attest, Laura, that that you continue on with the training because you and I met in a training. And when we talk about this is why I showed up continuously the way that I did throughout my life, you know, as we learned in our particular training, that the, the body is just a robot of the mind. And so when we start digging deeper into that unconscious layer, it, it starts the healing process and we start to redesign that thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, and I also really liked that you offer this the course for that long, because I think it does truly take a while to, especially to build a good connection with the person that you're working with to build that rapport and that trust. It is essential. So Mm -hmm. I want to bring in a couple of the the photos that you have here. So I'm going to bring in some of the photos you have here of family that I would love for you to share yeah, this is uh, my husband, Jim, uh, my rock, <laughs> who stood by me for all through my crazy, you know, Lyme disease uh, era. And, and you know, thank goodness he likes to, he's a homebody like me, probably likes to do a little more activity than I do on a, <laughs> on a regular basis, but he was there for me. So it was, it was very nice. Wow. Yeah. And then that's the three of us. There's my Haley. She came in for a weekend. And um, yeah, I feel like after being in a family of 13, God said, you're going to have one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's nice. And, and you're right. It is. It's a bit more manageable. But you gained, you are who you are because of the things that you experienced. And that's a beautiful thing. And now Haley gets to be that and show up in the world as well based on her experience. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of us. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I always, I always laugh and say, well, for us, we had two on one defense. So it was very easy (laughs) to raise one child. Right. You know, um, (laughs) and, and it was, um, she like made, she, she opened up you know, when you're, I think for every mom, when, you know, you have your first child or, and then thereafter this other extension of purpose in your life, yeah. you know, comes oh, on. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, here is, uh, one of the books I've written a chapter in and it's amazing. All different businesses contribute. And, um, my, I share some pretty private things in this, Uh, about my life. And I also provide um, a lot that the chapters focused on your negative self-talk. So Mm. um, I call it, um, you know, evicting negative Nelly from your headspace is the title (laughs) of the chapter. (laughs) So I give some tips and I provide a worksheet and all that um, in the book. So it was really fun to, um, to contribute to this one. Ah, uh, and then another one. Yeah, this one's coming out. Um, the Art of Connection. It's the Gratitude Edition, and it's coming out in probably before Christmas. So it's just a collection of um, everybody has created a self quote about gratitude, and then writing about how it came to be. Like how how what does this quote mean to me? So it shares a little bit about um, the author too. That is a really beautiful cover. Yeah. Yeah. They they have a series. So this is probably the fourth edition. 
maybe they have different um like this is the gratitude edition and they'll have like the mm. uh, self-worth or you know some and some other um art of connection that's beautiful mm -hmm. so the next slide that we're going to share uh, laura you know for our audience just based on this incredible journey that we have heard Laura talk about and describing all of the setbacks or potential how you may view them and all of the the roller coaster ride through life and I want you to see now that this is what bloomed from all of those experiences <laughs> you, you know I was wondering if I was ever going to bloom and I feel like you know, that I, that I, that I have, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, embracing all of who I am has really made the difference for me. And that's what I want to share, you know, with others that there's hope, right? You don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to be frustrated, resentful. Like those are all signs that something beneath the surface is trying to, is messing with you, right? So that's kind of like, that's the indication because it's not just, I know a lot of people will say, well, that's just who I am. It's like, no, it's not really, you know, it's not really who you are to be, you know, angry, to be frustrated. It's just an emotion that you're responding to because it's autopilot. Mm. That that's very well said. And I love this quote you have here mm -hmm. uh, by you mm -hmm. embrace yourself as a blessing, love yourself relentlessly and watch your radiant soul shine. That's so beautiful. I, I just absolutely love that. And I want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you because you have so many gifts. And again, I can absolutely attest, Laura, I, I was very comfortable with you right off the bat. I loved being in your presence. I loved working with you. I love your story, your history, and just who you show up to shine as. And so uh, I'm going to be sure to bring this in. So Laura's website is www.lauraenzor.com. Very simple for those of you who are tuning in with the sound. It is L-A-U-R-A-E-N-Z-O-R. I said sound like as in a podcast and you're listening. <laughs> so a uh, funny thing. Also, for all of you, you do know that all of this information for our guests is in the description below. So you can always find out more detailed information, engage with us, leave comments, we'll respond. And it's just awesome to have the guests that we have on the show to share their enlightening stories with us. Laura, it's been wonderful to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Well, you know, one thing I want to thank you for having me on because I, I, I'm so excited that I got to, um, you know, be in front of more people to find out about me and what I do. And um, you were so lovely to work with. And again, you showed that today. <laughs> so with your, um, your, your interview style, but what I'd like um, people to follow me on LinkedIn, if they're on there, that's where I'm mostly living these days at Laura Enzor, simple, my name. And down the road, maybe at the end of November, I will be launching a very cool new program um, that I can offer people that are not able to do, or they don't have the time to do an eight week program. Um, and I, so I'm launching my own personal program that people can grab and do on their own. So keep an eye out for that. Um, it's, uh, it'll, it'll be very impactful. So, um, and I'm on Instagram too, but not as active as I am on LinkedIn, but you still can find me there. I love that. Well, this new program that's coming out is going to be exciting. I know that it is. And be sure for those of you listening, make sure to mention the Wellness Driven Life Show to Laura that you found out about her here, that you learned about her, that you 
were very honored to listen to her amazing story because it is. And so thank you so much, Laura, for being a guest on the show, for offering that to people across the globe. We very much love that you've been here a guest today. Thank you very much. And for those of you who are tuning in, thank you so much for your support. We are very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. So goodbye for now. We will see you later. Bye.